Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate so much you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. This is a program where you can call in and ask your Bible questions, make your comments. We want to do this in a friendly way, but even if you would like to argue a point, because we're not so arrogant to think that we can't be wrong, we know the Bible's right, because that's written by God. But what if we're misunderstanding something in the Bible? You would be our best friend to correct us. But what we're attempting to do is prove to you what the truth is. The truth of God's word. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the word of God defines for us what God's truth is. Not what we think, not what we want, not what's politically correct, not what makes the most sense in our society. What the word of God says. And we all remember John 8, 32, where Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Talking about being made free from sin. False religious teaching won't make us free from sin. First Peter 1, 22 says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. It takes more than just believing the truth to be purified from your sins. You have to obey the truth and it has to be the truth, not obeying false teaching. A lot of people say all you got to do is believe in Jesus to be saved. No, to be purified from your sins, not only do you have to believe in Jesus, you have to obey the truth. And if all these preachers and churches are teaching different things, they can't all be preaching the truth. Two plus two is not, can't be four and five at the same time. Jesus said in John 8, 31, you are my disciples indeed. You're a true disciple if you continue in my word. Last week, we were talking about gay marriage, homosexuality. Let me read you verse 7, see what you think about that. It's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, which we can read about that story in Genesis 19, 1 through 24. It says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I've had several debates with the gay church, and they'll talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and say their sin was the sin of inhospitality. But this says their sin was fornication, and they were going after strange flesh. It sounds like it's talking about the sin of homosexuality, isn't it? Sure sounds like that. People can deny what the Scripture plainly says, but that's what it sounds like. How about 1 Peter 1, verses 9 and 10? I'm going to read this from the simple English New Testament. It says, we also know this. The law was not made for a good man, but for people who are lawless, rebels, ungodly, sinners, unholy, not religious, father killers, mother killers, murderers, sexual sinners, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, and those who break promises. These and other things are against the healthy teaching as found in the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he trusted to me. Among other sins, and these are all sins that he lists here, One of them that he lists is homosexuals. That's a sin. It's a sin to practice homosexuality. There's no doubt about it. These are New Testament passages. By the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to give me a call. The lines are wide open at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Here's 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 from the New King James Version, which is Probably my favorite translation, even though I use the old King James Version because I'm used to it. But I usually recommend the new King James Version to people because it's accurate to accurately translated 
back to the Greek and Hebrew, but it's a little easier to understand for most people than the old King James Version. Here's 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 from the new King James Version. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, neither homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't we understand that worshiping an idol is sinful? Being a fornicator is sinful? Being an adulterer is sinful? Well, on that same list with thieves and drunkards and extortioners, you have homosexuals and sodomites. It says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're involved in that sin, you can't go to heaven unless you repent. Now, this program tonight is not about once saved, always saved. But this verse is clearly against it because this verse is written to Christians. Now, it would include talking about non-Christians who are in these sins, but he's this passage is written to Christians, and he says to Christians, if you're involved in these sins, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means a boarding-in person, a person who's truly become a Christian, if he falls back into these sins like adultery or homosexuality or being a thief or a drunkard, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. It won't, he won't, you can't get to the judgment and say, say, well, I became a Christian at one time, so it doesn't matter. No, God said, even if you're a Christian, if you go into these sins, involve yourselves in these sins, and you never repent and get forgiveness, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Clearly against this false, once saved, always saved theory. But what we're talking about tonight is homosexuality and gay marriage, and it condemns both types of male homosexuals. The effeminate, as the King James says, and the one, who, the abuser of, of themselves with mankind, the sodomite. Both types of male homosexuals are condemned here. They're sinful. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you say, well, can they be forgiven? Of course, just like a drunkard can be forgiven. If you'll quit drinking, just like a thief can be forgiven. If you'll quit thieving from people, stealing from people, just like an adulterer can be forgiven. If he quits committing adultery, he's got to repent of it to receive forgiveness for that. And if he repents of being a homosexual, he quits being a homosexual, then this verse won't condemn him anymore because he's not a homosexual anymore. You see that? Dale from Nevada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, it's one thing I've been kind of curious about where it says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there a difference in believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay. Now, I may be wrong, Dale, but I don't think there's any difference. I think it's really just a preposition there, and prepositions can take on many different meanings. So whether you're talking about believing on Jesus or believing in Jesus, it's probably talking about the same thing. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm looking at Romans 10, 9 and 10 here, a passage you're probably familiar with. It says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then also the most famous verse in the Bible, I'm convinced, is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So whether you, the, sometimes the King James will say believe on Jesus, sometimes believe in Jesus. I think it's talking about the same thing, Dale. We have to believe right. that Jesus okay. is the son of God and we have to believe that he was raised from the dead according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. You follow? Okay. Oh, I mean, Dale, there's a lot. Huh? Go ahead. One other thing that's been bothering me with, you know, I believe that uh, that you can 
lose your salvation if you want to. Now, Jesus said, those that the Father have given me, I'll, I'll let none of them get away from me, or something like that, uh, paraphrasing. But I, I do believe, you know, a lot. that's a big debate about whether or not you can lose your salvation. It does say that, that he, he will blot your name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. But now, if I'm saved and uh, and I'm continually backsliding into a condition and feeling condemnation, does that mean that I'm no longer in Christ Jesus because of what the verse says? Uh, I believe it's eight and one says, "There's therefore no now no condemnation for those that are in that are in Christ Jesus." So the verse you referenced, Dale, and John, I think it's John ten twenty nine. My Father, which gave than me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my father's right, hand. Right. Even in that verse, the implication is that you can voluntarily leave. Nobody right. can pluck you. Nobody's strong enough. Not even the devil himself is strong enough to take you, to forcibly take you out of the father's hand. But that doesn't mean you can't voluntarily leave. Right. And right. you mentioned the other yes. passage you mentioned about the Lamb's book of life. Revelation chapter three, verse five. I'm glad you mentioned that, Dale. Let me read that. Revelation 3, verse 5 says, Jesus is speaking here. He says, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. So as long as we overcome, I, th I take it as talking about temptation, persecution, Jesus will not blot our name out. But the implication is, Dale, see if you agree, that if we don't overcome yeah. temptation, our name will right. be blotted out in the book of life. And, of course, the book of right. life is the list that God has of the names of all the saved people. This is clearly talking about a person who's in the book of life, meaning he's a saved person. He's not a pretender. He's truly saved. His name's in the book of life, but his name is blotted out of the book of life, erased out because he didn't overcome temptation, clearly, conclusively proving once saved, always saved is false. You agree, Dale? Yes. Yes. Amen. Thank you very much for so, that. Thank you for your call, Dale. Anything else? That'll be all. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And so when Peter told believers in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, he's saying that when you get baptized, you're going to get the forgiveness of all the sins you've ever committed, but only if you repent first. He didn't just say be baptized for the remission of sins. He said repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So repentance would mean, and I'm borrowing some terminology from Romans 6, it means you're going to quit serving, you make a commitment to quit serving sin and you start serving righteousness. Read Romans 6 and you'll see that. So you repent of your sins, you make that commitment to change your life in regard to sin, you get baptized, at that point the blood of Christ washes away all your sins. Remember Saul was told in Acts 22, 16, he'd already been a believer for at least three days, but he's told by Ananias, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So his sins were washed away by the blood of Christ when he was baptized. But only if you repent first, you make that commitment to change your life in regard to sin. You get baptized, you get all your sins forgiven, and then God expects you to follow through on that commitment. And what we see from passages like Revelation 3, 5 and about six or seven dozen other passages in the Bible, if you don't follow through on that commitment, then you'll lose your salvation. Paul from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Okay, uh, the, the question is, where does it say the wealth of the unjust shall be handed to the just before Jesus returns? Where does it say what? You're, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're not, your volume is so low, I'm having a hard time understanding you, Paul. 
Oh, okay. The wealth, you know, the, the richness, the richness or the wealth of the unjust. What does this say in the Bible? About the wealth, the wealth of the unjust shall be given to the just. Is there a place like that in the Bible? I don't think there's one like that in the Bible. Not in so many words. Okay? Now, we do have the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. Yeah. But the rich man, after he died, found himself in torments. But it's not necessarily because he was rich. It's evidently because he didn't live faithful to God. And I'm looking, this, this story is in Luke 16, 19 through the end of the story, through the end of the chapter. And then Lazarus was a poor man and he, was in comforts, Abraham's bosom, uh, you know, we'll call it paradise. But it's not necessarily because he was poor, but because he was faithful to God. The rich man is going to lose everything he's got when you die. The old saying is you can't take it with you, right? Yes. And so he's going to lose everything. If he's faithful to God, he's going to go to heaven and he'll have blessings there a million times more than the the most rich riches you could have in this life. But if he's not faithful to God, he's going to, be burning in the fires of torment for the rest of eternity. And so uh, whether you're rich or poor, we need to learn to serve God faithfully so we can go to heaven. And if we don't serve okay. God faithfully, we're going to be lost. Matthew 25, 46, talking about the wicked, says these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous and the life eternal. Okay, Paul? Okay. okay. Thank oh, you for your call. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we were looking at 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. It gives a whole list of sins. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this would include Christians. If a Christian becomes a fornicator or an idolater or an adulterer or a homosexual or a sodomite, and he doesn't repent, he's going to lose his salvation. It says he will not inherit the kingdom of God. That applies to Christians just as much as to non-Christians. Then verse 11 helps us a little bit here. It says, and such were, past tense, some of you. See, then it, but you are washed, you are justified. These people who had become Christians had been idolaters. They had been fornicators. They had been adulterers. Some of them had been homosexuals. They had been drunkards. But when they became a Christian, it says such were some of you. Past tense, meaning they weren't that way anymore. Remember, Peter told believers in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. Believers were told to repent and be baptized. For the remission of sins. So if you want the remission of sins, you gotta be baptized, but you gotta repent first. So the homosexuals gotta repent. The adulterers gotta repent. The drunkards gotta repent. They gotta change their life to become a Christian. So much so that after they become a Christian, it will be accurate to say such were some of you, past tense. You're not that way anymore. You're not that way anymore. You're not living that way anymore. Now you're sanctified. You're justified according to verse 11 because you quit serving sin, you started serving righteousness, and you got forgiven of all your sins. And that would include homosexuals too. Homosexuals can be forgiven. All they got to do is obey the gospel. Become a Christian. If they believe in Christ, repent of their sins, and get baptized, they'll be forgiven for that sin just like any other sin. But you have to repent. You can't continue to be a homosexual and get forgiveness for it. If you continue to be a homosexual, then 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 is saying you will, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's pretty simple. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open again. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Now, I want to bring up something else here. 
these last two programs, we've been talking about homosexuality and gay marriage. And I think it probably at least 95, maybe even 99% of my audience can see that being gay, homosexual behavior, being in a homosexual marriage is not consistent with God's word. If people want to be right with God, they're going to have to get out of a homosexual marriage. They can't stay in a homosexual marriage and say, I'm a Christian. That's inconsistent. Well, let me make this point. It's the same for an adulterous marriage. Why would it be wrong for people who are in a gay marriage to stay together and be a Christian, but right for people who are in an adulterous marriage to stay together and be called themselves a Christian? No, if it's home, if a gay marriage is wrong, then an adulterous marriage is also wrong by the same logic. And you say, well, Pat, what is an adulterous marriage? What's well, defined for us by Jesus? He says in passages like Matthew 19, 9, Jesus speaking, he says, whosoever shall put away his wife, the newer translations will say divorce, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So what the passage is saying, and it's very simple, it may be easier said than done, but but it's easy to understand. I've been married to Carol for 35 years. If he, she were to cheat on me sexually, I could divorce her for that. God would approve of the divorce. I'd be allowed to remarry. But if she, she doesn't cheat on me, then I can't divorce her for any other reason. The most common cause of divorce in Alabama and probably most states is incompatibility. If I divorce my wife because we don't get along, we, we have the excuse we don't love each other anymore. <laughs> incompatibility. That's wrong. That's a sin. And if I marry, say, Betty, Jesus is calling that marriage to Betty adulterous in this verse. That's what he says. If you marry another, you commit adultery. And if, if somebody marries Carol, whoever marries Carol, which is put away, does commit adultery. Now, Jesus calls that adulterous marriage. Yet most churches, probably about 95% of them will say, you can just stay in that marriage. Why? Why is it okay to stay in an adulterous marriage, but not okay to stay in a gay marriage? That doesn't make any sense. And you know what doesn't make any sense, but 95% of the churches across America say it's okay. Maybe only 50% will say gay marriage is okay, but 95% will say adulterous marriage is okay. And because of that, if you take the average congregation across America, 20%, statistics say 20% of the membership, the adult membership, is in a second or third marriage that violates Matthew 19, 9 that Jesus would call adultery. Yet preachers won't say anything about it, possibly because they don't want to lose members. I don't know why. It depends on what person, but they will not speak out against it like they ought. Henry from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. I did a question about, uh, I think you referenced First uh, Timothy 110. Yeah. Was talking Good about to hear from you again, Good to hear uh, from thank you Thank you. Sure. Um, it was kind of an intriguing uh, verse. I can, maybe I've never really paid attention to that, but you made reference to, you know, adulterers and slaveholders. Wasn't yep. slavery kind of like acceptable in, in biblical times? Uh, you know, there's a verse also it talks about, uh, you know, slaves obey your masters. And I think, okay. you know, if a person Henry, wanted there's to be two a slave. Types. Then, By the way, have you talked they, to Craig recently? Uh, yes. Okay. Here, here's the here's the skinny of it, Henry. There's two ty- at least two types of slavery. 
There's what we call indentured slavery, where a man, let's say he gets into just a huge debt. He can't pay his debt. And so he agrees to become a slave of another man. Let's say I owe somebody $100,000 and I can't pay it. I agree to become his slave for five years, which means I'm going to work for him for room and board. And, and of course, if you're a slave, you don't get off at five o'clock. You have to be at the beck and, and call of your master almost 24 hours a day. But I agree to be a slave to this man for five years and he pays off my debt. That's called indentured slavery. It's voluntary slavery. That's what we read about in the New Testament. That's the only kind of slavery, Henry, that was authorized by, in the New Testament. The kind of slavery we had in America where, where slave traders went over to Africa and at gunpoint stole young men from their families, kidnapped them. Slave traders was the term we saw in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. Or the old King James says men stealers. They stole these young men from their families, brought them over here, put them into slavery. That kind of slavery is never condoned by the New Testament. You see the difference, Henry? Yes. Uh, yeah, I know there's different types of slavery, uh, but nevertheless, those people that were involved in slave trading, um, yep. I, I guess, you're, uh, which is what the scripture is talking about, I guess. Yeah, um, slave traders, men stealers. And then when they uh, brought them people, over here, with the people that bought the slaves are a party to the sin. They were a party to the sin. That kind of slavery, okay. is, Jesus would never condone pointing a gun at somebody, kidnapping the young man or the young woman from their families and bringing them into another country and selling them as a slave. Nothing in the New Testament condones that. The only kind of slavery condoned Approved of by the New Testament is the kind where somebody goes into slavery voluntarily, like to pay off a debt. Go ahead, Henry. I interrupted you accidentally. No, no, no. That's fine. It's, uh, thanks for uh, explaining that. So then for them, for I guess repentance would be then, then they would have to give up that um, occupation, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, uh, for salvation. Is that correct? You mean like a slave trader? I mean, yeah, they would just have to. There would have to be some repentance of it, or they would yes. have to cease it, right? Yeah, and then, exactly. Uh, beyond that, there would not yeah. be salvation, as you understand it. I mean, right. you're, you cannot inherit the kingdom it, it, of God if you're in, involved in that kind of sin. Even a even a Caucasian who bought a slave, when he learned what the truth on this is, he'd need to give up that slave. He didn't have any right to own a slave that was taken by force like that. The only kind of slavery. In, Again, I'm repeating myself. Authorized by the New Testament would be the kind where somebody went voluntarily, like to pay off a debt. So you're right. Okay. If you want to be forgiven for kidnapping people, slave traders, you got to quit doing that and try to make it right. If you want to be forgiven for adultery or homosexuality, you got to quit those sins. You got to repent of them and quit. Go ahead, Henry. No, well, thank you. I just I appreciate your uh, explaining that and your insight on that. Uh, that was my question. Thank you. Thank you for your call, Henry. Hope to talk to you All soon. Right, take care. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. So the same thing applies to adulterous marriages that applies to gay marriages. You know, uh, it was during the old, while the Old Testament was still in effect, but notice what John the Baptist told Herod. Now, according to secular history, Herod had divorced his wife, Herodias had divorced her husband. Now they're married. And Mark 6, 17 and 18 reads this way. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. 
So they were married unscriptural during the Old Testament times. It was an unscriptural marriage, a marriage not approved of by God. And John the Baptist lost his life because he said you, it's not lawful you to have her. How many preachers today would the preacher where you go to church when there's people in that church in a second or third marriage that's called adulterous by Jesus Christ, they violate Matthew 19, 9. Will your preacher do what John the Baptist say did and say it's not lawful for you to have her? I doubt it. Not too many preachers are challenging like that. John the Baptist lost his head about, over it, and a lot of preachers today won't challenge. They're afraid of losing just a few members. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, sometime it's your convenience, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience. Call or text me, 256-682-9753. Appreciate you listening so much tonight. Appreciate the good calls and the good questions. Be sure and study your Bible to find out the truth. Don't take anybody's word for it. Be sure and listen next week at the same time.